Kevin Clark. Normally this time of year, the NFL playoffs, it's all about the games. It's all about the matchups. It's usually about the quarterbacks. But this season, the coaching carousel seems to be kind of the hot scene. It's sort of the uh, real coaches of the NFL. <laughs> Which one of those is more exciting to you right now with some of the names in the coaching carousel that's available versus the divisional playoff round? Yeah, it depends what Bill Belichick wants to do because if Bill Belichick wants to coach ball and not do any of the GM responsibilities he's had to do for 25 years, he's the hottest name. Hmm. Because if he goes to Dallas, if he goes to Philadelphia, he takes that roster and says, let's win now, then I'm really excited about that. What I'm not excited about is him going to a place like Atlanta, installing the Patriot way, getting all his scouts in there and trying to have the, the, the power that he has in New England right now. That doesn't excite me at all. We saw the the end of that project um, over the past couple of years in, in New England, and that just didn't get me going. So hmm. Belichick has the, the capability to be the most exciting name. I'm surprised people aren't mentioning Pete Carroll a lot. People are saying, well, he's an advisor for the well, – yeah, okay, fine. That was something to kick him upstairs to, to sort of honor the arrangement that he, that he had with Seattle. Like, that's a guy who could win now. And then there's Mike Vrabel, which obviously if you're going for a younger guy, he's maximized that. I said this the other day, but like – Imagine what would Nick Sirianni have done in Tennessee over the past seven years. Hmm. He certainly wouldn't have gotten a one seed. He certainly wouldn't have maximized Ryan Tannehill. He certainly wouldn't have won all the games that I think that uh, Rabel plucked out of thin air. And so I think it's not just the names available and then the, the, the jobs available. I think it's teams looking around saying, darn, in a coaching market like this, can we upgrade? Should we move on from our guy? You see, the coaches have almost already taken the headlines from this story. We <laughs> haven't even gotten to the playoffs yet, but let's stay with these destinations. Between Philly and Dallas, which is the better job to you? Dallas. Um, Philadelphia is about to lose a huge chunk of its identity. They know identity-wise what they want to be. They want to be strong on the lines. They know how to find value. I have huge respect for the infrastructure they've built. But they're going to lose. They already lost Jason Kelsey. They might lose Fletcher Cox. Hmm. Um, I saw this morning that, that Lane Johnson says he has a couple of years left in him, but obviously as he ages, that becomes a bigger question. And so there's it's still a really good roster and a really good job, but the, the, if the choice is between Dallas, which has a lot of top-end talent that they're not really losing, um, they're going to have to re-sign Dak for a bunch of money. But I think the Dallas situation, by the way, you're going to get meddled with no matter where you are, whether that's that's Howie, whether that's Jerry Jones. You're not going to have autonomy in either of those places. Hmm. So it's about the roster, and it's about what you think you can do right now. And to me, that's Dallas. This weekend, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs begins. Eight teams are still alive in the hunt for the Lombardi Trophy, some more surprising than others. So today, Kevin Clark, host of the This Is Football podcast, who happens to live and breathe this stuff, takes us through each of the games, giving us his analysis, and even takes a ride on one of the wildest coaching carousels in recent memory. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Thursday, January 18th. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious meat nutritious. 
in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Okay, Kevin, so let's get to the actual games here this weekend. The first of the weekend has the Texans going to Baltimore to face the Ravens. It's the quarterback of the future in C.J. Stroud versus the quarterback of the present Mm -hmm. in Lamar Jackson. Let's go in reverse chronological order and start with C.J. Stroud. Do you think he can go into Baltimore and continue this run he's been on? Yes, he played perfect football near-perfect football a couple nights ago. And by the way, this is not just him doing heroics. This was a total team victory. Laramie Mm. Tunsil put Miles Garrett uh, in his pocket, basically, and said, you're not going to change this game. Uh, He had one pressure, no quarterback hit uh, over the weekend. Um, Stingley played an awesome game and took away the receiving threats on Cleveland. This is not C.J. Stroud putting a franchise on his back. This is C.J. Stroud ascending with a franchise, with D'Amico Ryans, with Will Anderson, with the guys I already named. He was great under pressure. And so I think that they're keeping him upright. And even when he's not, even when he's pressured, this is a pressure game. We'll get to that in a little bit with Jordan Love. But uh, he, he Stroud completed seven of his eight passes under pressure for 118 yards and was not sacked over the weekend. That's how you win with a young quarterback. What is the added element, though, that'll be a bigger challenge for him against the Ravens? Is it the disguising of defenses? Is it just the linebacker play with that group? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, genuine pass rush. Mike McDonald is one of the brightest young minds on either side of the ball in the entire NFL. They're going to make life really complicated and disguise and post-snap stuff where, you know, it's funny because I used to say that a young quarterback didn't become a veteran quarterback until he played Bill Belichick. That's no longer the case. But McDonald is sort of like that, where he's going to throw everything at you. There's town along the lines. You mentioned the town and the linebacker crew. The roster on the back end is really, really talented. Um, and so, and then you add in how confusing that defense can get, how complicated it can get. It can be a nightmare for a young quarterback. I could see that. But Stroud has done everything put in front of him. He has led, he led the NFL in passing yards per game and had the lowest interception rate in the NFL as a rookie. He has just done things that that eighth-year quarterbacks don't. I mean, think about how many excuses we tend to make for young quarterbacks. And we say, oh, if only he could get a number one receiver. If only he could get uh, an offensive coordinator who understood him. Like, Bobby Sloak's doing a great job. But I think what C.J. Stroud is doing is he's advancing so quickly, he's making a lot of these other young quarterbacks look bad. And I think that Mike McDonald against him in a defensive coordinator versus quarterback matchup is as interesting as it gets because I don't think he's playing like a rookie. It's a cliche to say he's not playing as a rookie, uh, but when you watch the tape, you don't see any rookie tendencies. Yeah, it's been so fun to watch. Now you've got on the other side, the Baltimore Ravens. 
coming off a bye week. Some would say coming off of back-to-back bye weeks because they didn't basically play anybody in the final game Mm. of the regular season. But we did see them blow out the Niners and the Dolphins the last times they were intact. Uh, We could argue rest versus rust, but I would argue a Lamborghini does not rust. So I don't worry about that (laughs) with Lamar Jackson. But there is an added element of pressure here. Not only do they have this top seed, but if he lets C.J. Stroud leapfrog him in the playoffs in this first year of C.J. Stroud in the playoffs, probably not going to be a great look for Lamar Jackson. I hate to do this. I'm, I'm sorry to say it. Uh, I had Nick Wright on my show a couple weeks ago, and he said, we all love Lamar. He's the MVP. But if he loses the first playoff game that he plays this year, there will be comps to someone like a James Harden, maybe. And then Ooh. I put that on Twitter, and then people said, no, maybe the comp is Embiid at this point. Um, but it's people, frankly, you don't want to be comp to right now. I am as big a Lamar defender as anybody. And even when he wasn't playing at MVP level the last few years, I was saying he's capable of this. He's playing better. His passing was getting better. Um, there, there, were, there were metrics there that showed you that he was absolutely elite. But we know what the point of football is. It's to win the Lombardi. It's to win playoff games. It's to win these big games. And so I shudder to think what the discourse is going to be if they lose. And as you mentioned, CJ Stroud gets anointed. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that the Ravens are really good. I think they've built an amazing structure around him. They know exactly what they need to do. Um, It's funny, I just had a show with Kyle Long, and and he was basically saying, like, what Justin Fields is doing uh, in Chicago could be helped by doing basically the Baltimore model. Lamar is is as special a guy as there is. And I think there's probably, and there was a stat a couple weeks ago that basically showed that, that Lamar plays really well against good teams and the way I viewed that was that when Lamar is on he's he's almost as close to unstoppable as you can get when he's not beating himself when the Ravens not beating themselves he's almost impossible to defend I'd say Mahomes is the only guy who is more I know more unstoppable seems like an oxymoron um, (laughs) but when they're at their peak Mahomes cannot be stopped Lamar cannot be stopped if they ever played against each other in a playoff game and they both couldn't be stopped we would see history we would see fireworks we would see, see cinema right but the reason Lamar plays well typically in the regular season against good teams is because what do you do with a guy like that where he, he can run, he can throw, he can do anything on a football field. And if he has three of those games in a row, he's going to take his rightful place as the best quarterback in football. Kevin Clark of Omaha Productions, if you're working your way up in this name-dropping ladder to Peyton Manning because you just did a pod with Peyton Manning. I just did. Make sure you get it in there, all right? Because we need that by the end of this recording. I'm getting La- there. <laughs> Last thing on this game, what's the one thing that could trip up the Ravens? Because we've seen them blow some leads at some point in the season. Yeah. But really, at this point, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Well, unfortunately, the thing that's going to trip, it c- that could trip them up is just themselves. They've had a couple, especially early in the season, a couple of sloppy games where they just didn't look sharp. And I know that that sounds unscientific, but like watch the Colts game. They were just making stupid mistakes. Mm. And I think there's an implosion that is looming for every team, but I've just seen it a little bit more earlier in the season with the Ravens. And you just hope you don't see that where they come out and they're just a little bit duller than normal. Um, we don't see their their sharp their sharp edge um, that they have every single week. We saw that in September 
And I just think that they, you can't put your finger on it, but they tend to beat themselves, hmm. making mis- receivers. Remember the, all the receiver drops, yep. um, some of the defensive holes. And so that that kind of uh, unsharpness to me is is always looming just because I've seen it this year. Well, the late game Saturday has some version of deja vu to it because we've got the Green Bay Packers heading to Levi Stadium to face the 49ers. It's a matchup I feel like we've seen basically every other postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Love has been on sort of a C.J. Stroud path this year. Yep. Uh, he's been playing as well as any QB in recent weeks. Does he have another one in him? Yes, and and almost, I, I hate to repeat exactly what I said for Stroud, but hmm. this was not Jordan Love putting the franchise on his back. That's Matt LaFleur's play calls. It's Zach Tom, the right tackle, who held Micah Parsons to zero pressures and nine head-to-head matchups. Micah Parsons had one pressure over the weekend. Whew. One pressure. That is not normal. That shows you the offensive line is keeping Jordan Love upright. Jordan Love doesn't make many mistakes at this point. I think he's the highest graded passer in the second half of the season, according to PFF. And when he is pressured, so the story was the Cowboys couldn't get home. They could not get pressure against Jordan Love. But even when they did, we saw that kind of back foot pass in the end zone. There were four instances where Love threw a pass under pressure. He completed all four of them for 114 yards in a TD. Hmm. That is poise. He's older, obviously, than C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud was the youngest guy to ever win a playoff game. He was the first rookie to win a playoff game drafted in the first round since 2009. Okay? Um, that that kind of age uh, success is not normal. Love, however, is still, I believe he's he's younger than, than Kenny Pickett. Some of these other guys, he did come into the league young. He just has obviously seen a lot of football. He's developed. Everybody says they want to do draft and develop until it comes time. And then all of a sudden you're pissing off Aaron Rodgers, pissing off the fan base. You're saying, oh, what do we do? Like everybody wants to say they want to draft best player available. And then the Packers actually do it and everybody got mad. But guess what? The plan worked. Jordan Love is amazing. He understands this system. The Matt LaFleur offense is growing every single week because Rodgers had his quirks and his his, his, his uh, unique Habits of, of what he wanted the offense to look like, which he, by the way, earned from, from 15 years of being MVP level. So that was fine. But now you're seeing a little bit more of what the Matt LaFleur offense is. And I just, I, I, I cannot be more thrilled for Packers fans and more upset for, for Bears and Vikings fans. One could argue that Aaron Rodgers has graduated from quirky to whatever the next level is, but... I, I just meant on the field. I just meant on the field. <laughs> oh, okay. what, whatever's going on off the field is a separate uh, podcast. Uh, on the field, he liked... He had particular plays and schemes and uh, habits that he, that he wanted inside the playbook. Got it. But Kevin, four pressures in their last game, Green Bay, but against a 49ers defense that just is getting healthier as the playoffs approach, what kind of front do you expect Jordan Love to play in this game? Hmm... I was looking at it a couple weeks ago, looking at the pressure numbers and, you know, the Niners have, I mean, even like Chase Young, when he came over in the trade, I think he was like third in the NFL in pressures. They have guys who just get after the quarterback. And that's what this game is about. When you pressure the quarterback, the quarterback plays a different sport. I expect the Niners to win in part because Kyle Shanahan is a heck of a better coach than, than Joe Barry on the defensive end for the Packers Hmm. and the offense with the Niners is a lot more talented than the Packers defense. I think it might end up being a little bit of a shootout, um, but I think it's going to be a little closer than people think because uh, we saw the blueprint against the Cowboys. This Packers team is the real freaking deal. Yeah, if you just go by trending, it would seem like this game will be closer than 
many would have predicted just a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But in the coaching matchup, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Which one of those two will stand out in what they do on Saturday? All right, so we know how good Kyle Shanahan is. If you're if you don't know how good Matt LaFleur is, I don't blame you. I disagree with you, but I don't blame you because you had you inherited Aaron Rodgers and everybody says, okay, anybody can win with that. Well, if it was easy to win 13 games with Aaron Rodgers, like like Matt did for his first two years, I think it was, um, Mike McCarthy would have done it, but he didn't do it for this last, I believe, seven years there. He did not turn Aaron Rodgers into a two-time MVP, uh, McCarthy, that is. LaFleur helped with that. And it was a blending of the Shanahan-McVay schemes with what Aaron Rodgers liked to do from some of the McCarthy type of plays that, that Aaron just felt comfortable with. Um, more audibles uh, with LaFleur, the Shanahan-McVay scheme is typically comfortable with. But I was around LaFleur a lot, I want to say a year and a half ago. I went, went up to Green Bay and do a story about that. Hmm. This sounds crazy, is he? But like, almost felt like Greg Popovich, where like he just wants the players to lead. He wants mm. it to be player-led. He wants to give them the infrastructure, but like the connection with the players is the thing. Remember Mercedes Lewis telling me that basically he would have retired if he didn't like Matt LaFleur as much as he did, but he just liked coming to work every day. And I think that that's the key. I think we overrate sometimes the, the vibe of younger coaches and what they can provide, but like, the guys in that locker room love Matt LaFleur. And I think with Jordan Love, and, and and the thing I don't want to see is people saying, oh, the Packers got lucky again. No, they developed Jordan right. Love. One practice at a time, one rep at a time. Jordan Love, by all accounts, was not ready two years ago. There's a reason Aaron Rodgers got traded when he did. They wouldn't, it, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers requested a trade two years ago. And they said no, because they didn't think Jordan Love was ready. But guess what they did? They got him ready because that's coaching. And that's why I think that there's a possibility here, even if they lose, for a Matt LaFleur coming out party. Yeah, and I would say that a team that is this far ahead of schedule, one of the things that you look at is probably the head coach and give him a lot of credit. Pretty good. Now coming up, we dive into the divisional round matchups coming at us on Sunday. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. 
And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right, Kevin, there were a lot of emotions pouring out of that game after Detroit won its first playoff game in 32 years, which sounds like an incredible number when you actually think about it. How would you best describe what happened in Detroit? A release. The pain of 30, I don't know, 30 years. I actually don't know when the misery of of being a Lions fan started. So I don't want to put a number on it, but it's been a long time. That 66 year season ticket holder seen a lot of pain. And I'm glad he got to see this uh, on Saturday night. So I think that what we're seeing with the Lions is one of the best examples of how to build a team we've ever seen, where it's sort of a accidental teardown. And what I mean by that is that they didn't come in saying, we want to tear this down to its studs and then build it back up. It was more that they, they had a couple moves and Matthew Stafford wanted to leave and then they cleared the cap on that and then they got Jared Goff back and they said, oh, okay, we're actually doing a full rebuild. They didn't anticipate necessarily doing that until Stafford had made his trade request. And then over the three years since, they have steadily built uh, a team capable of beating anybody in the NFL. And again, that's being strong on the lines. Um, that's having good coaches at every level of the team. Um, it, there's just studs everywhere. They have enough blue chippers at every position group to make the defense matter and make it competent. And then the offense and the play designs and I'm on Ross St. Brown and all of these guys are really making it count. Um, I think everybody thumbed their nose a little bit at the draft and taking a linebacker and taking a, a running back and saying that's not how you win in modern football. What they're doing is they're collecting good football players. I remember Stan Van Gundy talking about the Richard Lewis contract a couple of years ago on the, the Dan Levitard show. And he said, the problem is we view every single move and in any sport in a vacuum. And we say, this guy's not worth this money. But then you say, okay, well, what if the linebacker or the running back is the difference in your mind between not making the playoffs and getting to the NFC title game? By the way, the Lions are going to the NFC title game. They're going to win this game this weekend. And it's because they understand exactly what they needed in every situation. Penny Sewell in the first round, Jameer Gibbs in the first round, guys like that who are part of the identity and then you stack those guys and all of a sudden that's culture. Kevin, there was no bigger thumb on no bigger of a nose oh, God. than Dolphins fans looking at Detroit and saying, how did you hire Dan Campbell yeah. of all people to lead you? Remember, Dan Campbell was an interim head coach in Miami and was just kind of the butt of a lot of jokes because of his approach, because of his sort of jocularity. I don't even know if that's the proper term. But now he becomes sort of a different approach, a different look, a different model of a head coach in the NFL. And it seems to be working. Can you help explain that to me? So I had spent a, a long while with Dan two years ago when he first got hired. And I had, a quote kind of went around from that piece a couple nights ago about the culture he wanted to build and how he understood Detroit's pain and all that stuff. And, and, and since then, as you know, Izzy, like if you ever get attention for anything, 
people will just reach out to you asking to use it to justify their own team's problems or their own future. And so everybody was reaching out to me saying like, how do you scout culture if you're hiring now? If you're a Commanders fan or you're a Bears fan and you're looking for Matt Eberflus to do something. I've had a bunch of people, fans, ask me that. Like, how do you how do you find the next Dan Campbell who's all about culture and actually lives it? Because there's a, a massive difference between saying you're a culture guy and then building your life around it. And that's what Dan Campbell's been able to do. And so the answer is it's really hard. It's really hard to understand that a guy is actually going to care about players, a guy who's actually going to get buy-in because he's authentic. I think the most important thing is authenticity. And if you're not going to be authentic, that's fine. But don't profess authenticity. Don't just say like, oh, I'm going to be real with you guys. No, just keep it at a distance. Like, I don't think Bill Belichick's that authentic with his guys, but he knows how to manage that. And the locker room is good because he's going to put them in position to win. Dan Campbell lives and breathes authenticity. And players can smell a fraud a million miles away. And I think there were guys, I know there were guys, who were skeptical of Dan Campbell off the bat in Detroit. Veterans, guys who didn't like the fact that he was doing, you know, up-downs and and kind of <laughs> rah-rah high school type stuff in drills and training camp. I think there were 31-year-olds who rolled their eyes at that. But then there were 24-year-olds who said, hell yeah, that's my coach. <laughs> and it's not going to be for everybody. How often have we seen good teams, legitimately good teams, get rid of guys who are still good players, useful players, because they didn't buy in? And I think that's important. And Ben Johnson, who's the OC now, and he was tight ends coach a couple of years ago for that story, he told me that Dan Campbell's created a situation where he called it all love to the point that Dan Campbell doesn't even have to yell because the expectations are set. And if you know you've disappointed Dan Campbell, if as long as you bought in and Ben Johnson has, that's all you need for motivation is to not make him upset. It would crush them. And I, I, I don't, I, I, I am struggling to find a better example of a culture first team right now than the Detroit Lions. And I'm struggling to find two better words to come to mind when you think of Dan Campbell other than hell yeah. Hell yeah. And so I think that's pretty perfect. Um, on the other side, quickly, you have the Tampa Bay Bucks. Their last two games have given up a total of nine points, but that was to the Carolina Panthers and to the terrible, at this point, Philadelphia Eagles offense. How can Baker Mayfield and his defense head into Detroit and steal a win? Remember, the Lions defense has had real lulls this season, real lulls. And without a couple of drops, this game, the Eagles game, would have been an absolute route. It would have been Georgia, Florida State, okay? Um, Ouch. And Izzy, as two, as two people who went to schools in Florida other than Florida State, we can, we can laugh about that offline. I'll allow it. Um, yeah, we can laugh about that. We can, we can traffic on that offline. Um, but I, I think that deep... Vertical, you know, the, the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Kate Otten had those drops yesterday, but like they've got the weapons to spread this around and really open up this game. I think this is going to be a lot of points. I think it's going to be a lot of points. Todd Bowles is a really good coach. He's going to dial up um, some interesting pressures. I think the Detroit line is good enough to to help that out. Um, but I I would not be surprised here if the Bucks. I think the I think the Lions win. I think they win sort of comfortably. Um, but I do think the, the threshold to win this game is going to be a bunch of points because I do believe the Bucs will be able to break down the Lions defense a little bit, especially early. And of course, the last game of the weekend will be the most anticipated. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs going to Buffalo. And Kevin, something that I just can't wrap my mind around right now is Super Bowl champion twice over Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff road game. Well, 
uh, I have some good news. He's really good. So I think he's going to be able to handle it. He's won a bunch of playoff games. He's won at neutral sites in the Super Bowl. Um, it just shows you how consistent. And I've said this before, but like the floor for that team should always be the championship game as long as they have Mahomes and Andy Reid. And they'll figure everything else out later, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact they've always had either the bye or they've had the home field just speaks to how consistent they are. And um, again, not to go back to to my show, but like when I had Kyle Long on, he said that when you're in Kansas City and he was for a year, he was injured for most of it. But he said, you get there and you think they can't keep up the consistency there. You know, on July 28th, they're bringing it every day and they're still doing it on December 3rd, still doing it on January 3rd, still doing it on February 3rd. And I think that it shows you that even in a season that they don't have any receivers. I mean, if if some of these receivers were actively working against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, would they even act any different? Um, Mm -hmm. It's been brutal. And what you're seeing is the worst thing that's happening is they still won the division and they have to play a road game against a Buffalo team that's been very inconsistent and that would have lost to the Chiefs if it wasn't for an offsides call that never really gets called. I think it should have been called. I understand that I'm not taking Mahomes aside in that situation, um, but we know we kind of know how that game played out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm. This is a fine environment. If I'm, I, I think Kansas City is going to win this game. I think Mahomes can figure it out. The consistency is just there. I think Chiefs win. So maybe this is the question that gets the Peyton Manning uh, nugget out of you. But oh, baby, <laughs> Josh Allen, are you not afraid of his explosiveness of that team's ability to put up? you know, 21, 28 points in a quarter because no, they're not the most consistent team, but they definitely have that explosive element to them. Should we get like a dramatic orchestra music as I preface this with what you want me to say? Please. So I was talking to Peyton Manning recently, Izzy, and um, he said something I, I thought was really funny. He said, nobody wants to play the Bills because they don't know what they're going to get. The Philadelphia Eagles, yeah. you knew exactly what the hell was going to happen with that team. Finger pointing, angry, hurts banged there up. There would be a tush being pushed. Yeah, a tush being pushed. There was nothing. Eagles fans could have put, you know, like the old magic trick. You know, like the, uh, Oz the Mentalist, whatever the hell is going on there. <laughs> uh, the Eagles fans were all Oz the Mentalist last night because they could have predicted every single play. If Josh Allen's playing at his best, he's up there, as I said earlier, with with a Mahomes, with a Lamar Jackson, where it's impossible to defend him in the open field when he's running, when he's holding guys with his pump fakes, with the ability to throw, guys are moving down the field. I think he's at his best, is he, when it's a combination of really quick decisions and then improvising. I think when he's constantly padding the ball and moving back there and hoping guys get open, mm. that's unsustainable to me. Um, a genuine pass rush in Kansas City. Steve Spagnuolo has been in his bag all season. I really like this team. Um, I think Chiefs roll, but I just Josh Allen's ability to, to, to put this franchise on his back the past couple of weeks has been phenomenal. Yeah, I can see the Chiefs doing some damage against the Buffalo Bills defense. That's lost some players. But also on the other side, you'd look at the explosiveness, as we mentioned, of the Bills against a very underrated Chiefs defense, that feels like it could be sort of a struggle with those two sides. If you were to choose, how is this game going to play out when you see the Chiefs rolling? Uh, Total chaos. I think the Chiefs win by like 10 points. I think it'll be like 
35, 25, 40, or 30, something like that. I think the game is going to be total chaos. Because again, if you say, what do these teams do well? The answer is they have really good quarterbacks. <laughs> That's about it. And they and Andy Reid, obviously, is one of the best coaches of all time. And so it's going to be on them to throw, to improvise, um, to, to find out which receivers are going to be rolling. I think that Stephon Diggs has had a little bit of a dip in performance if you look at his tape over the over the season as, as it's gone on. I can't tell you exactly what this is going to look like because these two teams have been wildly inconsistent. What I can tell you is that both of these quarterbacks are really good at playing the best when you're supposed to play the best, and that's why I expect neither of them to lay an egg this weekend, but Mahomes is just better. And every coach coaching this weekend has that added pressure knowing that if they lose, their owner knows Bill Belichick is available. I think that uh, Andy Reid will be fine. That's the one. I'd be a little worried about Sean McDermott, but even him, I think he's good. All right. The one exception. Thank you very much, Kevin. That's right. Thanks, buddy. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.